Broadcasting live from WOYK's downtown York Studios, this is York's Local Sports Show. Talking local sports on York's local sports station. Welcome to Game Day with Game Time PA on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Week four of YAIAA football ahead. Hello, everybody. Chris Arnold, Matt Alibone, Zach Miller for another edition of Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. And on your phones, your listening devices, on iTunes, the Stitcher Radio app, we're on all that good stuff as well. Welcome to another great show. Uh, we are going to be breaking down the week four action as we get set for some divisional play. This is a big week. The tables are finally turning to the divisional schedule for a lot of our teams. We'll see where some of these good teams that got off to start well, uh, if they can put their money where their mouth is. So we'll see what happens. But first and foremost, I've got to introduce my co-workers, my uh, co-hosts and friends, Zach Miller and Matt Alibone. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good, Christian. Ready for some good uh, you know, quality division football, I think. We remember last year, you know, some teams that start out 0-3 can be right in the mix for a division title once the season gets started. So, you know, it's kind of like a whole new season. We got three weeks, almost like a little bit of a preseason. You know, we'll, it really gets going now. Yeah, I'm excited, too. This is when we really get to find out how good some of these teams are when they face the, you know, their division opponents, the teams of the similar size, teams they face every single year. We'll find out a lot about all of uh, you know, the local teams this week. So it's a very fun time in the York Adams League. Just a reminder, in case you're not doing it already, subscribe to the show on iTunes and make sure you rate and review the show. You just search Game Day with Game Time PA Radio, and we should come up. You can also find us on the Stitcher Radio app and Google Play. So plenty to talk about. Like we mentioned, divisional play gets underway this week. A lot of interesting games on the docket. And in Division Two, uh, a couple interesting ones where someone has to finally get their first win of the regular season. Before we jump into all of that, we got to go through our players of the week. For the boys, this week's winner was Carter Luckinball from the Central York Panthers boys soccer team. He picked up three goals during Central's 3-2 win over Northern York on Friday. By the way, he's the kicker on the football team, too. There you go. So, so he does it all. Way. Yeah, absolutely. The girls' winner, uh, Kirsten Lloyd, Red Lion Cross Country. Lloyd finished first overall with uh, in a, in a, with a time of 20 minutes and 6 seconds to win Tuesday's meet with DeLone Catholic and Kennerdale at New Oxford. So uh, an impressive win for her. And for our football winner, Noriega Goff. Central York, he ran for 134 yards on 31 carries as Central York defeated uh, 148-42 over Hemfield last Friday. Uh, he also had a touchdown run of 1-4 and four yards, so a big game for Noriega Goff. And that leads us into our game balls of the week, and I will let you guys go first as always. Matt, who's, who's getting game balls this week? Uh, a couple for me from DeLone Catholic. I covered their 35 to nothing win over New Oxford. On Friday, uh, the, the Hart brothers, Zach and Ryan Hart, uh, Zach had over 100 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Ryan had 80 yards and took a punt back for 65 yards. So they were two uh, impact players in that game. And then to Fairfield's defense, uh, first shutout in school history, beating Smithburg 21 to nothing. They're not a school that's typically known for their defense. Last year, they struggled in that area. Three games into the season this year, they've only given up 25 points. So give a game ball to that whole unit. Impressive, Zach. Yeah, I'll give one to golf. I know he already got football player of the week, but that was a huge, huge, huge win. I can't really overstate how big a win that was for Central to go on the road and beat Hemfield. Also got one for Max Terrell from Dallastown. He's a linebacker. Dallastown kind of got into a rut a little bit, uh, letting Penn Manor hang around in the game last week. Penn Manor hasn't won a game in a couple of years. 
but uh, Terrell had a big interception, took it the whole way back, 70 yards to put that game away for Dallas Town and give the Wildcats a 3-0 and start. So, you know, some Division One teams really, really, really playing well heading into division play. It's going to be a lot of fun seeing those teams match up against each other. Absolutely. And speaking of Div- Division One teams, my game ball will go to Sam Emig. He had three touchdowns in uh, a Week 3 victory for the Red Lion Lions. He had 91 yards on the ground and he pretty much had a hand in every red lion point he's also kicks the point after so um and there was a field goal so he had a hand in every score for red lion minus one so he had a big game on friday night setting up red lion for a three and start to the season as they get set to play william penn this weekend um which should be interesting yeah and that game is going to be on saturday it's now official found out this morning so, yeah, a little different atmosphere, you know, Red Lion and William Penn now, not under the lights on a Friday, but in probably broad daylight about <laughs> 70 degrees on Saturday afternoon. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. You know, Red Lion certainly playing really well coming into that game. William Penn, you know, showing some life, but obviously it's going to be just interesting to see the atmosphere of that game and see how those two teams play in different circumstances. Absolutely. It brings a whole different facet to a weekend football game, something that a lot of these players may not be used to, and we'll certainly talk about that as we head on later into the program. But it's got to be an exciting time with divisional play finally starting up. I mean, there have been has been a lot of talk. I mean, some of these teams, Division One, have got off to a great start, but some of their opponents out of division, um, out of league, I should say, may not be the the toughest opponents. It's at least good to see a lot of these Division One teams getting off on the right foot, winning. Um, out-of-league games that may not have come as easy as they would have in years past. Yeah, certainly. I mean, Northeastern, if you look at the district standings right now, I mean, it's super, super early, mm-hmm. but they're in first in, in uh, Class 5A in District 3. And then in Class 3A, 2A, and 1A, you got York Adams teams in first in those two as Littlestown, DeLone Catholic, and Fairfield. So, yeah, a lot of teams, not just in Division One, but teams in both Division One and Three, getting off to good starts. And it, it's showing itself in the district standings, and we'll see – you know, if these teams, do they beat each other up too much and cost themselves in the district standings? Or can some of these teams that started really well keep playing really well and, you know, have a really good seed in this whole new classification format? We don't know exactly what to expect. Right. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. And we thought it wouldn't be kind to York Adams teams. But the way they're playing, maybe it will be more kind. I mean, you know, I've said this a few times the past couple weeks with Division Three. There's so many storylines right now. We have seven teams in Division Three right. over 500 who look like, wow, this team you know could be their year to go on a run. Well, not all seven are going to be able to you know go on a run once they start playing each other. So, like you said, this is where we're going to find out a lot of things these next couple weeks when they start playing each other and have to you know some storylines are going to you know be raised above others. Not every team can keep winning. It's very interesting. I mean, it's got to be at least. Um, a real good sign for the league at how many teams are on, are district rated early on in the season because I, I, football around here is good, but historically, outside of playing YAIA teams, a lot of these teams have struggled against out of league opponents. Yeah, I mean maybe you know good football is definitely a part of it. Smarter scheduling, okay. you know, maybe a little bit a part of it too. I mean, not to take anything away from Fairfield's three <laughs> right. no start, but definitely um, you know went out and and found some teams that were were beatable you know found a team down in maryland clearly beatable they you know beat them pretty good the other day you know found a team up in center county so they they got a little creative fairfield has to get creative with scheduling they did it and put you know put some winnable games on the schedule and then went out and won them that's the key is you know it's not just 
can't just find a team that you might be able to beat you then have to go out and beat them and Fairfield's certainly done that and you know a lot of our teams in division one and division three have done that yeah Littlestown which is I think first in, in 3A right now correct they, that's right they did something similar too and, and they've still played Boiling Springs who they've played in years past but Mike Lippy told me before the season that they did change up the early season schedule they scheduled you know Eastern York just, just a team they don't always play right. uh, Hamburg which they they never play to and that was the whole point was just to get the team up to a better start if you start like 0-3 against tough opponents then your morale's down heading into the division play it's just about I think for some of these coaches, and it's about the you know, district seedings, but sometimes just getting off to a good start so that when you play these division opponents, you have some momentum and some juice already going. Oh, absolutely. I agree. And I think that when you get those matchups where teams you haven't faced ever or right. a long time or you don't face too often, it kind of gives you that extra – I don't want to say advantage, but it gives you that extra oomph. Like if you look at Chambersburg and Redline the other week, those are two teams that hadn't played each other since 1993. Now, the players on the Redline and Chambersburg teams in 93 may not have even been born – I can't do math. I was born in 93. If there's any players on those teams that were alive in 93, (laughs) that's a problem. So they haven't been born. The last time those guys played, none of the players on the field had been born. So I I think it gives them that opportunity where we don't know them. They don't know us. It's a clean slate. We have no idea what – to what's going to happen out there so it gives you it gives you that edge it gives you the not extra boost of confidence but it gives you that opportunity to go out and say this is a team that we can beat because they are in the same position we are we don't know them they don't know us and this is a, a fair match yeah, I think that's actually a good point because you do see some of these teams when you lose to a team every year, it kind of does get in the player's right. head. Like, can we beat them? And you're right. When you play teams you haven't played in a while, it's all, it is a clean slate. And you think, you know, why can't we beat this team? You know, we don't know a ton about them. I think we have a chance. It, it, it's interesting. I, I, I like the idea. Like you guys pointed out, it gives them the opportunity to start off on the right foot. It gives them the opportunity to, give that, to get a little boost in confidence going into those games against teams that – you see every year, year in and year out. So when you're a team like even William Penn, you look at their schedule to start the season, William Penn played some of the toughest teams in the state of Pennsylvania, or at least in the district. Um, you look at you know teams like Reading or Cedar Cliff. Cedar Cliff um, you know, those are more or less learning opportunities for the players as they go into divisional play, where once you see a red line or once you see a Dallas Town, it's not as scary because you've seen the best of the best of the best. And Dallas Town and Redline, um, Northeastern, those are good teams, but those are not, those are not comparable teams to the Cedar Cliffs and, and some of those other teams that they faced early on. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you know, we have a few teams that went 0-3, but they went out and played really tough right. opponents. Where, and then you have the flip side of it, teams that you know, went 3-0 and and didn't play very tough opponents. Either way, there can be a positive there because you can come in, like you're saying, you're 0-3, but yeah – Every opponent you're going to face from here looks a lot easier than the opponents you faced earlier. Or you can be 3-0. and Maybe you didn't play the best competition, but you're feeling good. You know, you've really learned what you can do. You're feeling confident. And, you know, that might be enough to get off on the right foot now in divisional play. That's why I know it sounds cliche, but you always hear coaches say, take it one game at a time. Right. And it actually is an important mindset because for some of these teams, even if they are 3-0, and if they've played lesser competition, they do need to you know, not get ahead of themselves and think, you know, now we're playing our divisional opponents. We need to you know, kind of take it up a notch. And for some of the teams that got off to a rough start against good teams, think, you know, you know what? We did the best we could. We learned. How are we going to take that into these games now and not get discouraged, even if they didn't go off to a great start? Absolutely. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out. And in that mindset... When we come back from the break, we will move to uh, some of these teams that had the start, the 3-0 and start that looks good on paper, but you look at some of the teams, maybe a little bit of lesser opponents. We'll see how that fares up for them as they head into Week 4 divisional play ahead for teams like Central, Northeastern, Dallastown, 
Those will be interesting matchups, even William Penn. We will talk about that when we come back from the break. You're listening to Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Welcome back to Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Christian Arnold, Matt Alabone, Zach Miller here with you as we break down the week ahead for YAIAA football. Guys, some interesting matchups as we head into the divisional part of the schedule. The biggest one to start off, Northeastern hosting uh, Central York. Big game for both sides. Northeastern obviously off to a very quick start, and they've dominate start the year. absolutely shellacked a lot of the teams they faced the first three weeks of the season central you're coming off a big win i guess you could say uh, over hemfield they had a big lead they lost it a good opportunity for that central york team a young team to kind of learn on the fly about what it takes to win in those tight pressure games where you have a team bearing down on them and i think that's an important lesson going to a game like with against northeastern yeah definitely had a chance to overcome some adversity really you know really showed a lot there you know we knew they could score at a high rate playing that fast tempo offense the defense obviously the defense is probably still a little bit of a question mark giving up 42 points right <laughs> in a loss but you know they they got into a close game and they gutted it out and they won and that was a team that was confident to begin with probably even more confident now and i mean if you look at Central's schedule to start the year, West York, Cumberland Valley, Hempfield, if you would have told me they were going to go 2-1, and one, I don't think I would have believed you. That's a really impressive stretch. Honestly, it's a, in a way, it's more impressive than Northeastern going 3-0 and o against, mm-hmm. you know, kind of average, mediocre teams. But this is, a, this is a real chance for Central to, to really make a statement in Division I. Northeastern... Northeastern plays Central, Redline, and Dallas Town the next right. three it's weeks. A tough so they, schedule. I mean, if they come out here and they roll roll over these three teams, they could practically lock up the division in week six. But it starts with a tough game. You know, it's a little bit of a budding rivalry, Central against Northeastern. I'll be out at this game. I think it's going to be a good one. I think it was good for Central York to have that close game against Hempfield because now they're not going to be able to roll over teams like Northeastern. So now they, when they get into a, if it is a shootout against Northeastern, which it could be, they have that experience. We just won a close high-scoring game, you know, we can do it again. Right, Absolutely. and you wonder because Northeastern hasn't been in a game like that. You know, how did they react? It'll be interesting, especially since you look at Noriegoth coming off such a big game on the ground, 134 yards and two touchdowns last week. Um, how much does that? I mean, is, how much is that going to be tough for him? When he goes up against a defense like Northeastern, which is one of the best in the league, they're traditionally a pretty good defense in the last couple of years, and they've played some pretty shut-down football uh, through the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, I mean, you know, Goff really, all three games he's played this season, he's done well. And he did go up against Cumberland Valley. That defense might be even tough, tougher than Northeastern. So, you know, he's got a little experience. You know, he's been around a while. He was a very good running back last year, too. That Northeastern defense is really tough, and, you know... I'd be surprised if Goff comes out and runs for 100 yards again. Right. But, but you know, he certainly has a chance, and he's certainly going to be confident. It'll be interesting. I think that um, Central's game, especially since Goff was such an integral part, they'll have to find a way to try and find ways for him to find those open holes again, try and find him ways to get back into the end zone because he's been such an integral part of their offense this year. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not just him. They have other guys they can rely on. Uh, Kate Prabula has one of the highest mm-hmm. completion percentages in the league. I think he's thrown for the most yards of any quarterback in the league so far this season. 
Uh, Eddie Santiago is a really good downfield threat. You know, I mean, they got other guys. They don't need to just rely on Goff, but certainly if you get him going, it opens up a lot of other things. Absolutely. And on the other side of the ball, you have Shannon Valenti for Northeastern, a former Central York Panther. Uh, comes off a win from last year's game when he played his former team for the first time. I'm sure while there's a little bit of separation between his time now with Central York and his time with Northeastern, I'm sure there's still a bit of that budding rivalry there from last season. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's rivalry all over. These school districts are separated by a very small Mm -hmm. amount. You know, there's a creek that separates the two schools, basically. I mean, they obviously have a huge rivalry in boys' volleyball. You know, all these things have really just continued to build up. The more Northeastern's been a force, the bigger that rivalry has gotten, especially with William Penn kind of being down. That's Central's old rival. Northeastern, you know, is kind of the first and foremost rival. And, you know... Giving up 42 points last year that Central did in a game that wasn't even close, I'm sure that's fresh in their minds. You know, they they haven't forgotten about last year. Uh, Valenti, you know, I'm sure he's still friends with a lot of the guys on Central's team, but it's it's always good to go back and, and beat your old friends. Yeah, and he st- obviously still knows a lot of players on that team. So those right. feelings, good and bad, never go away. So it definitely will be that you know, that rivalry feeling. And I'm sure Central will be motivated. They definitely seem like a team that has liked to make statements this year. They have a lot to prove, and they're going to want to prove a lot uh, Friday night. And, and kind of uh, to Matt's point there, when when Shannon did that, that players post for us a, a few months back, you remember how important it was for him to get on that field and have a good game against his former team with all of kind of the chatter going on around him into the lead up now it doesn't seem like it's the same chatter but i'm sure there's a lot of self-pressure that he puts on himself game in and game out but would you play your former team like that when you play a team that um you know the system you probably grew up playing in there's got to be a little extra motivation on both sides considering that if you're central maybe you look at it like this guy was was on our side and now he's caught he's the enemy a little bit he jumped ship so maybe use that to your advantage a little bit more to to motivate and give that extra boost yeah i mean you know i'm sure these coaches look for anything they can use to motivate their guys not that they even have to i actually i happen to know northeastern's been kind of preparing for central's offense all season central's not the only team that runs an up-tempo offense but northeastern does a lot of things in practice because they know they're going to be facing some teams central is one of them that runs an up-tempo offense and they they've been trying to get ready for it you know not just this week they've been trying to get ready for it for a few weeks it's interesting too that this is a new system Oswald has seemed like it's it's been put in place pretty effectively to a certain extent. You've seen it up close and personal. How do you think teams have been managing that, and how do you think how effectively do you think it's been put into place by the players on the field? Yeah, you know, I think in a game like the Hemfield game last week, it works really well where you come out right. and you score a bunch of points right away. You know, if you don't do that, if you have a few drives that stall out and you give up some points, now you're in trouble because you, know, you can't get that rhythm going. Your defense isn't getting any time off the field. But the way it's worked so far, it's worked well. And Northeastern has a new defensive coordinator too. This year they play a little bit of a different defensive system. They have five defensive backs again to kind of defend against those spread teams that, that open things up. They, they got rid of one of their uh, front seven guys and added an extra D back. So, you know, that that might be a good way to kind of thwart what Central is doing. Northeastern certainly has good depth there. They can keep guys fresh and mix guys up, which will which will be good against a team that plays really fast like Central. You know, something I was going to say, you know, when a up-tempo offense faces a really good defense, a defense that's been ranked so highly in the league, something's got to give. So what does happen if Central comes out against Northeastern and can't score right away? You know, how will they respond to that? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be tough because you're, you're not giving your defense a break, you know, and then that's when Northeastern's offense, which is very, very good, 
is going to make a lot of plays. And, you know, if Northeastern builds a quick lead, Central's probably in trouble. This And this, like we were talking about earlier in the show, this is really their first, for Northeastern, this is their first big test. Rivalry game, a team with a high-tempo offense. So the teams that they've faced the first three weeks certainly have not, you don't want to say they've been pushovers, but they've been teams that are lesser opponents in Northeastern. And, Zach, as you correctly pointed out, it's the start of a very tough stretch of games for for Northeastern. Yeah, in a lot of ways, this is Northeastern season right here, these mm-hmm. next three weeks. If they go 3-0, and you know, they're looking pretty good to go 10-0 and and have a really good seed in the playoffs. If they go, you know, 1-2 or 0-3, all of a sudden, you know, are they even going to make the playoffs? So this is really, this is it right here. This is game one of, of a really, really tough three-game season. It will be interesting to see how it shakes out. William Penn, they play Redline, another interesting Division One matchup where, as we know now for certain, this game will be played on Saturday after the shooting outside of Small Athletic Field two weeks ago um, during their William Penn's first home season game. Um, how much does this play into this matchup now? You change the entire atmosphere around the game. For Redline, does it make it easier considering you don't have all that outside pressure? You know, there were a 1,000-plus people there for the first William Penn home game. This one on a Saturday, a Saturday, depending on the time, may not be as highly attended. The atmosphere certainly isn't there. It takes away, I feel like, it takes away some of that intimidation factor you might have if you're a home team it might but this game is going to be played at noon and william penn they're trying to keep it as similar to a normal friday night game as possible mm-hmm. they're still going to have a tailgate out starting right. at 10 30 a.m uh you know dj prizes giveaways trying to get the the community and the fans excited you know hopefully there's a good turnout there for william right. penn's sake you know you hope that changing the game from friday to saturday doesn't turn too many people away but, yeah, you really just never know how people are going to react. I mean, that's one way to look at it, what you're saying, with a, right. you know, a different atmosphere. The other way is, you know, are the Red Lion guys going to get up and be as ready to play at noon as that's they would normally too. be on a, a 7 p.m. on a Friday? You know, I don't really know. Everybody's kind of different, you know. I mean, I'm not a morning person. Right. I don't know if any sports <laughs> reporters are morning people. But, you know, I it'll be interesting because you just you really never know what to expect maybe some players you know you get a better night's sleep you didn't have school that day right you come out ready to go or maybe you just really can't get that energy early in the morning you know it's it's tough to know how these guys are going to respond it does throw off your schedule when you're accustomed you know your week is led up to you know practice throughout the week walk through thursday school friday game that night and then you really relax on the weekend and now you got to adjust to you know friday is like the walk through saturday right. you have to play the game so it is an adjustment as for like how the atmosphere might affect Redline, I think they're a pretty experienced team. They probably they're, they're probably used to whatever atmosphere they would get. And I think they're going to be confident in this game no matter what. I, I think the interesting point that that Matt just pointed out is that is the routine. Athletes are such regimented right. people that they're used to, and, and maybe it, it gets a little more intense once you get up the ranks in college and in the pros. But athletes are so used to a certain regimented schedule doing this. I've practiced at this time, you know, this at this time, this at this time, and their week is set around that schedule. When you change it up a little bit, it can throw a, a kind of a wrench into there and, and mess with maybe the the mojo that you'd have going to a regular Friday night game um, where you're playing an opponent, uh, another opponent at their home stadium. Yeah, I mean, coaches love structure, especially with high school kids. You know, that's how that's how you get things to work. You gotta <laughs> you gotta have a set structure in place. And this this obviously throws it a little bit, but I mean, you know, both these coaches are smart guys. I mean, for 
for Russ Stoner, he's going to have to figure out how to get his guys ready to play on right. Saturday multiple times this season. For Red Lion, it's just one time. So, I mean, you know. But that, ju- that's the point, though. Like, you, you kind of knock it out that one time uh, in such an important uh, game where it kind of sets the tone for, for the next couple weeks. Right. Where, all right, so you're used to having games on Friday, and now it's on a Saturday, and then you go back to playing on a Friday the next week where things kind of get thrown out of whack. It's just, it's just kind of an interesting thing you look when you look at it. Yeah, it's I'm a little not- different. I mean, they'll have, you know, one less day to prepare right. now for Northeastern next week. You think about it that way, too. Yeah. That, you know. That might be an advantage for Northeastern, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. I don't know if it'll mess them up too much for you know the long term. It might be a little bit this week, but to face a team like William Penn that is rebuilding, that you know Red Line's definitely the favorite to win this game. I don't right. think it'll mess them up too much for this game. I think also once you really get into the game, you know maybe you're a little thrown off. You know the first quarter, second quarter. By the time you get into the second half, I I feel like everyone's pretty much going to be in normal playing mode. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of trying to capitalize if one team's a little sluggish coming out the gate. When you look at the actual on-field matchup, Redline going into it, obviously the favorite team. But William Penn, like we were talking about before, has played so many tough teams that you have to think they've improved over the last couple weeks. And this might be a more competitive game than maybe we're predicting. Or you would imagine when you look at the record of Redline when compared to the record of William Penn because... Redline obviously playing, again, similar to Northeastern in Dallastown. They've been playing uh, teams that are a little lesser than they are, to say the least, and they've been getting these lopsided big victories through the first three weeks of the season. So certainly boosts the confidence going into it. But at the same time, William Penn comes in. They've played some tough teams. They've gotten a lot of experience under their belt, to say the least, kind of trial by fire um, through the first three weeks of the season, and they're ready to play a team like Redline, who is not necessarily the same caliber as a Cedar Cliff, who beat them bad. But if you look at the game, at least in the first quarter and a half, William Penn was still kind of there. It was tied at seven. Uh, it was a one-score game at another point before Cedar Cliff kind of blew the doors open. But still, the fact that William Penn was even in the contest, it's got to be an interesting and motivating factor for Rust Owner's team. Yeah, I mean, when you talk to Division One coaches, they don't think of William Penn as a total pushover. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're accustomed to that school being a tough win, and I I think they look at this team and and they know it's a better team. You know, they know. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're Dallas Town, you're Red Line, you're Northeastern. You probably should win that game, but it, you know, William Penn this year is not the same as William Penn that went zero and ten last right. year. And I think last year this game, Redline won, I think, 70-6. to six. I would be surprised if that if it's like that type of game because William Penn seems like they're, they're a team that puts up a fight this year. Still, you know, do they have the talent to beat a team like Redline who looks really good? I'm not sure about that. I'd still give the edge mm-hmm. to Redline. But I, I think uh, William Penn definitely can put up a fight. The flip side, you just hope some of these losses don't at some point hurt the moralities because they are kids. At some point, even if you are winning closer games, it, do, it can get to you at some point when, you, when you're 0-3. So you hope they can just keep a positive mindset as they're rebuilding. I think out of a lot of the games on the schedule, there are some intriguing games. But this one, to me at least, is a very intriguing one considering – the dichotomy of where these teams are at this point in the season. So it will be interesting to see with the outside factors going on, with the game itself going on. That one will certainly be one that it will be interesting on Saturday, especially with the one of the few games on Saturday afternoon. It will kind of get the spotlight on Saturday, and we'll see what happens. We'll step aside here. When we come back, we'll continue to go through some of these Week 4 matchups. And your County Tech, 2-1 and one to start the season 
are they for real this year? We'll talk about that and more when we come back. You're listening to Game Day with Game Time PA on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Just dance. Welcome back to Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Chris Jarl, Matt Alabone, Zach Miller here with you as we continue to break down the week ahead in YAIAA football. We teased it before the break. Your County Tech, a fi- above 500 to start the season and two impressive wins over D2 teams. Are they for real this season? I think it's a very interesting topic to just discuss a little bit before we get back into some of these other teams. Your County Tech, not historically a great football program, gone through their struggles a lot the last couple of years. And to start 2-1 and one is a big improvement for Troxel's team this year. Yeah, I mean, they're 2-0 and oh in the state of Pennsylvania. You know, <laughs> as far as District 3 rankings are concerned, York Tech's 2-0. and oh. Are they for real? I mean, a good way to to show people you're for real would be to beat Littlestown this week. Right. It's a home game against another team that's undefeated in the state of Pennsylvania, 3-0, and Littlestown is. So, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely gives that game some intrigue. I think at the beginning of the season, we would have thought Littlestown, York Tech, who cares? I think that, you know, that's practically as good a game as Red Lion and William Penn on Saturday. <laughs> we got two good games on Saturday. I forget college football. You know, we got two two good high school football <laughs> games. Yeah, I'm sure when you ask the question, are they for real, I'm sure they're better than they were last year. Does that mean they'll be able to contend in Division Three? I don't know. Like, like I keep saying, there's so many teams that are off to good starts in Division Three. It's right. going to be tough for them to beat, especially when they start playing some of these, like you know, the Bermudians, the Delones, the York Catholics to beat those teams. Littlestown will be an interesting test, though, because York County Tech beat Eastern York, and Littlestown barely beat Eastern York. So that does give them a little bit of a, you know, okay, we beat a team that Littlestown barely beat too. Maybe we can contend with them. At the same time, you know, there are two wins: Eastern York, Kennerdale, two teams that really have not been very good right. at all this year. So. You know, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure they're going to be contending for a division title, but I think they they could play Littlestown close. Uh, and by for real, I just, I just want to clarify. But when I say for real, I don't necessarily mean division title, but a competitive team in a very competitive division this season. And if you look, at, if you want to go on the other side of the argument, there, you look at the two teams that they beat, Eastern and York uh, and um, Kennerdale. Those are two teams that are not traditionally good. The last couple yeah, seasons, I mean, zero and six combined, those two teams. Right, but you look at you look at years past. Those are teams that Eastern, or those are teams that York Tech may not have beat uh, in yeah, previous I mean, they, seasons. They lost so. to both last year. They played the same two teams. So Didn't that's an improvement them. in and itself. Yeah, I mean, right there, that is an improvement. But I think there needs to be some more wins. You know, I mean, if those turn out to be the only two wins right. of the season, <laughs> that's it's not going to be considered a disappointing season. So, a lot of good teams in Division Three this year. I mean. Delone, Hanover, Bermudian, Fairfield, all those teams off to good starts. I'm sure I'm uh, leaving somebody out. Your Catholic is another one. You know, where are the other wins going to come? Right. That's where we're going to find out really how good this team is. And you have to imagine the other shoe will drop in that division where you'll finally start to see some of those clear-cut teams that will pull ahead from some of the others. Yeah, either that or we're going to see these teams all beat up on each other, which would would be fun in its own (laughs) way too, but wouldn't be great for making the playoffs. And some of these other teams, there are a lot of, you know, unanswered kind of things in the division. We all know how good Fairfield is, how good uh, Hanover or Bigglerville is the one team that still hasn't won yet. So, 
Bermudians played a lot of close games. Yeah, so too. to, to know sure. that, to know how good York County Tech is, they right. could, there's some winnable games on that schedule. They're in, in such a weird position too, being that school that's so big, but still in Division three, and it's hurt them in like district rankings and stuff. So maybe this is a sign that the program is starting on uh, on a rise, even if they're not, you know, really a division contender. Right, and in that point too, a lot of good Division three games. Delone Catholic hosting York Catholic uh, this weekend, uh, Matt. A lot of good Hanover area games this weekend as they start to roll into that divisional schedule. This is uh yeah when we start to find out a lot about these teams and you know I, I keep playing you know, we keep pumping up like seven of the right. eight teams and at some point like we said the shoes got to drop. The York Catholic Delone Catholic game is going to be very intriguing. York Catholic I still think even though they're two and one they lost to a really tough Burks Catholic team. I think this team's really good. They came to the year with high expectations. They brought back their two best players and Dan Yokomik and Jakar right, Kennard. Yeah. I think you know I, I two guys who had monster seasons. Yeah. And, and they've been playing great. I still think they're in a position to, to be really, really good. But DeLone, and DeLone had an impressive win over Trinity in week one. And then be Columbia and New Oxford, two teams that aren't very good. So this is a big test for DeLone. But they're senior heavy. They can run the ball. I think it'll definitely be a close matchup. Now, I saw DeLone last week. And even though they won 35 nothing over a bigger school, New Oxford, right. they really struggled to throw the ball. Uh, Brian Tremeyer, their quarterback, made a lot of nice throws. And receivers just couldn't hang on to the ball. Now, they're going to run the ball no matter what. They're a wing T offense. Mm. But there were still some mistakes. And they got to clean up. I think those mistakes and at least have the ability to complete some passes if they're going to beat a team like your Catholic that's really good your Catholic also a team that's pretty big on the ground Yokomik mm-hmm. and Kennard both uh, have impressive numbers running the ball so uh, it, two teams that are traditionally run first offenses it seems like going head-to-head in a, in a rivalry matchup certainly uh, a highlight to the schedule but you look at d3 too Hanover uh, another impressive team that's had, had a good start this season Littlestown Big Laverill these are all teams that have had good starts to the season. Do you see a, a shoe starting to drop for any of these teams heading into week four? A little bit because they're going to start to play each other. So we got Berm against Hanover, it's right. two two and one teams playing each other. And this will tell you a lot because, you know, whichever, neither of those teams wants to fall to two and two. They obviously, mm-hmm. and they both lost last week. Hanover with kind of a disappointing loss to Anvil Cleona. Not, you know, a solid team, but not a great team. Uh, a very close game. They made a nice comeback, couldn't come back. Berm lost to Shippensburg, which is a good team, but they lost on like a. 70 yard touchdown pass right. with like five minutes. So that, they got to have, even though that was, they knew it would be a tough game, they have a sour taste in their mouth. I think Berm's really going to want to come out and kind of, they came in, this was supposed to be their bounce back year. You know, they were so great for four year stretch. They were only five and five last year. They were like, we're going to retake this division this year. So they got to start to prove some things that they really are that team when they face a team like Hanover. So this is a big match for both of those teams this week. Uh, Littlestown, York County Tech, like we said, is a, a big game for Littlestown to keep improving. They don't have, West Story, they're West Story, they're running back. He uh, mm-hmm. left the field with an injury, so we're going to find out how bad that that is, how much that affects this team. So that's another thing to kind of to kind of look at. And then Fairfield, can they get the four zero against Biglerville, a team that struggled? So a lot of a lot of questions right now, and you will see that. Uh, you know, kind of the other shooter drop a little bit, but it will be in a few weeks when these teams really start to play each other that we find out more. Yeah, I'm really intrigued by that Fairfield Biglerville game. Uh, Biglerville is zero and three. You're defending division champion, a lot of young guys, but I'm sure those guys are growing up quickly. Fairfield, meanwhile, three and zero. You know, beat a lot of teams that have struggled lately. Let's you know, let's see if Fairfield can beat a division opponent. You know, that, that's a little bit of a low key rivalry way out there in Western Adams County. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game was decided by one point two years ago when Fairfield won. Uh, one of Fairfield's players after that game said it was like Ohio State, Michigan. So <laughs> probably a stretch, but. 
you know there's, there's it's a rivalry for sure yeah there's some nice history out there and, and i think it will be a, a good game even though those records you know seem pretty far apart biggerville played some really good teams start the year big spring being one of them yeah and biggerville's been in some close games too they had that really close loss to anvil cleona to start the season fairfield hasn't really been in a battle yet now when i talked to coach darwin seiler Friday night what he told me was he's glad that the games have gotten progressively at least a little tougher like Smithburg was better Mm -hmm. than like St. Joseph's Catholic Academy and James Buchanan which reflected they only scored 21 points instead of like you know 47 like they did the two weeks and he thinks that will help prepare them for a better team and I'm sure it will a little bit but still I think Biglerville is still a better program than what they've played so far so it'll be interesting to see how they respond to you know a close game which they could get for the first time yeah I mean Fairfield was ranked first in class a um Remember, all they have to do is finish in the top two to make the playoffs. But now you get into the tougher part of the schedule. You know, if they don't win another game the rest of the year, if they go three and seven, that might not be enough. So, but but again, they don't. You know, they don't need to come out and go six and one or anything right. like that. But need to beat a couple of these teams. And Biglerville, as it looks right now, Biglerville is probably the single most beatable Division three team. So it's in a way, it's a little bit of a must win for Fairfield because you need to secure a fourth, fifth, maybe sixth win to make the playoffs. Right. This is an opportunity, probably your best opportunity to get a win. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, they're going to face some really tough teams like the Burms and the DeLone Catholics. So you don't want to, you know, kind of miss these opportunities against like Big Lavelle or York County Tech teams that you, you're on more of a level playing field with. Oh, absolutely. And those are going to be important wins as the season or important games to win as the season progresses. Some important matchups in Division Two, a division that has struggled with outside opponents. They will start to beat up on each other, I guess you could say. Eastern York plays West York, a team where somebody's got to win, you would think. Well, somebody does have to. <laughs> What's the rule with ties? <laughs> no ties. So you look at, at that game, someone will get their first one of the season. Two teams that could really use the morale boost after um, some tough, tough games yeah. to start the season. I think people forget that West York started 0-3 last year, too. And it was a little different. The games were closer, certainly. The schedule probably wasn't as tough. I mean, Mannheim Central was not on the schedule last year for West York. Uh, Dallas Town was. That was a closer game. But I think it's more the way West York has lost that is kind of, you know, making them seem defeated a little bit. But they were 0-3 last year. There's no reason they can't mm-hmm. win this game again. I mean, this is what they did last year. Eastern York was 2-1 and at this point. Right. West York was 0-3. West York doubled up Eastern York 42-21. You know, so there's... There's plenty of reason if you're West York to think you can win. And if you're Eastern York, too, there's optimism. I mean, they, they nearly beat Littlestown last week. They had the lead right. going into the fourth quarter. Much, much better game they played in that one after losing to York Tech. Although that was another closed game. So, you know, depending on which side of the spectrum you're on kind of dictates who you think the favorite is. Eastern York's played more close games than West York, but West York has played way tougher teams. You know, maybe after playing Mannheim Central, maybe Eastern York looks pretty easy so we'll see but you're right somebody has to win i picked west york i can't remember who you guys picked i think somebody in this room i think picked eastern i went with west york i think, I think that, it was that was, then that went with that was a, a really tough one to pick for every reason yeah. zach just pointed out but the thing with west york it's jarring when they've gotten blown out every game but they have faced good teams and you could see like when they come out and face a team more on the same talent level than just being like finally and it's like a brush of fresh air that gives you some confidence too but to your point, Eastern York playing a very almost beat Littlestown, which was surprising to see after how good Littlestown was the first two weeks. But it, football is a, a game that you know changes week by week. So sometimes you, you just come out a little bit sluggish. You, you really don't know how these teams are going to come out against each other. And I think at this point in the season, too, for a lot of these teams, especially in D2, you kind of take that cliche approach where you approach it one game at a time and you kind of put the past behind you. So at this point in the year, 
when you're heading towards or moving into that divisional schedule, everything else doesn't matter from from that point on. You just want to look ahead and take each game one game at a time. And, and for both teams, this is a winnable game, both teams that could really use that morale boost with some struggles on, on both sides of the ball. So no one's coming into this game with a real advantage. Yeah, you look at, if you're those teams, you look at the rest of the teams in the division and say, hey, they're struggling too. You right. know, why can't we turn it around if, if every team's in a similar position to us? So, yeah, I mean, I think morale-wise, each of these teams you know, have probably been hurt a little bit, but there's no reason they can't take some confidence into this game. Yeah, this is a fresh start kind of right. kind of feeling this week, and I think these Division Two teams more than anybody need to look at it as a fresh start. Absolutely. Speaking of Division Two, Gettysburg and Dover go at it with an opportunity to take that first place spot in the division. Someone will get a second win, uh, second win of the year. Both teams won uh, two weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. It was That's in week right. two that they yeah. both came away with wins for uh, Division Two teams. So this will be an interesting matchup. Both teams that. Uh, when it comes to Division Two, they've been the better of the set. Yeah, when you look at the schedule, Gettysburg has been kind of inconsistent. They got two games where I think they were shut out and really blown out badly in both. Certainly, I can't remember if last week was a shutout or not. But and then and then they had the one week where Edney Celius ran for five touchdowns. They scored right. forty-four points. So you know, it's like which Gettysburg is going to show up? Dover, I feel like, has been a little more consistent. They've They've played good defense, haven't been able to score enough points in a couple of games against Steel High. It was enough points, you know, even though the defense actually scored a handful of those points. That was the game with two safeties and mm. defense setting up another touchdown. But yeah, I mean Dover, you know, Dover hung in with Red Land a little bit. Dover's a young team though. I I believe they have a backup quarterback in there now who's a sophomore, backup receiver who had a good game last week. So as this team grows up, you know, it's kind of a matter of how quickly does this team grow up. Are they a division contender or a team that's a year away? And Gettysburg definitely a team that we thought was still you know needed to rebuild this right, year. They're right. one and they're one win over New Oxford. New Oxford's a team that is going through a lot of growing pains this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been kind of blown out all three games. So well it was, it was good to see them get a win. I think all of us really picked against Gettysburg that game. You know, they they really haven't faced a team similar to them yet. Like Southwestern and Waynesboro, I think, just were more talented. And New Oxford was a team that, had, like I said, has struggled this year. So when they face a team like Dover, similar size, I think we'll learn a lot about Gettysburg this week. I think I'd probably give the edge to Dover a little bit, but it could be a close game. Yeah, no, I, I think a lot of people would probably give the edge towards Dover. Dover, t- a team last year, too, that was pretty competitive, that was really in the divisional title race for the first six weeks of the season before some off-the-field issues kind of took over. But they're a team that this year... Again, like a lot of those teams in D2, were that question mark? How are they going to be? How are they going to play? And, and 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 obviously with a more healthy roster and a more full roster, where would they stand in Division Two? So it will be interesting, a real test for both sides heading into Week Four. When we come back, we'll continue to look ahead towards Week Four's football matchups. You're listening to Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Welcome back to Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Chris Jarl, Matt Alabone, Zach Miller here with you. Just a reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just search Game Day with Game Time PA Radio. And please remember to rate and subscribe the show. We can also be found on the Stitcher Radio app and Google Play. Also, make sure you're following us on Twitter. You can find Zach Miller at Miller, and you can find at uh, Matt Alabone, at bad numerical two the Alabone, and you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at C underscore Arnold zero one. 
All right, we're going to do a little little fun game here. We did this last year a lot. I think we enjoyed it. I hope the audience enjoyed it too. Uh, kind of in the same vein as what the college football committee has to do every year. The, the college football playoff committee picks the top four teams, and they, they kind of do it on a week-to-week basis starting in week six. You know, they'll they'll put out their top four. They'll do it every week until we have a playoff at the end of the season. And now we're far enough into the season, I think it'd be fun to come up with our top four in the York Adams League. Of course, there's no playoff at the end of the year that right. we put together. It'd be fun if there was. There's not. But it's always good discussion uh, to see – who each of us think the top four teams in the league are. And honestly, I think it's a little more fun to do this year because we have so many teams off to go to stars. Yeah. I think last year we kind of got to a point where we had a pretty clear-cut top three a lot, and the fourth team was kind of like, well, you know, this team isn't, you know, is having right. an okay season. Are they number four? But we got a lot of teams off to undefeated starts or off to impressive two-and-one starts. So, guys, who do you have in your top four? This is tough, and it's hard to think, you know, what teams... I mean, Division Two right now, you probably wouldn't put any team in the top four, but uh, what <laughs> D3 team do you think can contend with those Division One teams? Because I think, for me, Northeastern, Dallastown, Redline are, like, teams that they fill into a top three. I didn't even, like, rank that, but I think right. maybe you go, like, Northeastern, Dallastown. You can really Redline three, but you could organize that any way you want. They're all 3 and oh, They've all looked impressive. That four spot's interesting. We're, like, Central York... Looks good so far, like, but do you like? How do you compare them to like uh, a York Catholic right, or right, a Littlestown? Right. I might even go like out of if I'm going to go with a Division three team. I think I might go York Catholic. I know they're two and one, and like Littlestown and Delone are three and zero. Oh, but I think York Catholic they just played a one really really good team. I think they're impressive. I put them in the yeah, four spot. You got to put Delone and Littlestown in the mix too at three and zero oh yeah. each. You know, um, I I would probably go Central in that fourth spot just because. I know they're, you know, they're, I know they're two and one, but played a really tough schedule, you know, and that, that's kind of that classic right. debate that we argue about with right, college right, football right. too. Is like, well, you know, oh, they have an extra loss, but they played a tougher schedule. You know, Central York's loss, that's the Cumberland Valley. Not saying it's not a loss, but, but the, you know, it's a little, it's a little different. And and the wins, you know, that's the other thing too. Yeah. They might have, they have one of the best wins out of anybody. I mean, we can't forget Dallastown beat Hempfield too. Like, let's not right. dismiss that completely. But, you know, who who has your Catholic beaten so far? Who has the lone Catholic beaten? Who has Littlestown beaten? It's, it seems like Central has better wins right now. As, as good a story as Littlestown is, they have not faced a team like Cumberland Valley. So I, I'm totally fine with, like I said, Central. For me, it was like kind of Central against your Catholic for that four spot. I don't see any problem with, you know, I, I'd probably put those two teams go for like the four or five and then like Littlestown alone are kind of competing right in for the next spot after that. So I'm okay with that choice. It's interesting too, when you, cause if you're looking at strength of schedule, then I think Matt's your Catholic pick would should at least be in the conversation. Because if you look at some of the teams that Northeastern red line, Dallas town beaten over the course of the last three weeks. Now, obviously I don't think you take any of them out of the top three there, but they've certainly their strength of schedule may not be up to par. I mean, obviously, York Catholic has played Susquehannock and York Suburban, who have turned out not to be the toughest opponents to start the season. But still, when you play um, a bigger school like Suburban, Susquehannock, you're not the favorite. They weren't the favorite, I think, in either of those weeks. I mean, York Catholic did go out and play three 4A schools, and they're only a 2A school. So, you know, certainly got to give some credit there. But I think for me the, the the schedule part of it is not so bad about not so much about who you played, you know. It's not that Central York played Cumberland Valley, it's who you beat. And I know Hemfield's 0 three, mm-hmm. but going on the road and beating Hemfields, that's still at least at this point, I still consider that a good win. You know, if Hemfield right. turns out to go like one and nine, you know, this is why we do it every week. You might have to change <laughs> your mind a little bit. But for Dallastown and Central, I look at that as a good win. And I mean here's a question to help consider it. Sure. Who has the best win? 
out of any team this whole season. That's a that's, that's a tough, tough one. Does any team have a better win than Dallas Town and Central's wins against Hempfield? Uh, probably pretty early. I mean, I think after week one, we would have said the York Catholic over Suburban just because we thought Suburban might still be pretty right, good. That right. that one's still uh, and Suburban might still be the best yeah. team in Division Two. You have to remember Northeastern beat Suburban too. And true, and that game wasn't even close. Right, pretty right. bad. So I I, just, I mean that's still a, for York Catholic a but pretty good win. But I think in the Northeastern conversation then you also have to look at northeastern as a bigger school or not a bigger school but it is a tougher team like that's a team that could go out and beat teams in division one two or three and mm-hmm. york suburban or anyone else good or not it might not have had a fighting chance obviously it was a bit of a blowout and you look at the way right. and york suburban was also missing guys right. that york catholic did have to face right, you know right. all these all these things get considered and that's what that's what makes that college football debate so heated is that there there's so many different factors, so many different ways of looking at it. But I mean, as good as our our teams have started out here in York and Adams County, you know what what's the really good win there? I mean, there've been a lot of blowouts. I think we're going to hopefully see some closer games these yeah, next couple yeah. weeks when they're all facing that. So yeah, I, that Hempfield game for for Central York is probably as good as any, just because it was a high scoring game. We had really no clue how good Central right. York was. So. Yeah, that's as, as good a choice for any as a signature oh, one. Also, do we want to throw Redland and Northern in here? I don't, I don't think we did last year, but you know that might make it a little more fun. Let's toss those two teams in the mix. Right. If Redland has the best win, yeah, probably the whole season yeah, beating I'm Bishop McDevitt. McDevitt. So that's a three and one team. They do have a loss. You know, now if you throw them in the mix, you put them ahead of Central. You put them ahead of York Catholic. I think, I think if you threw them in the mix, I think they'd go ahead of uh, Central and York Catholic. I don't think you're knocking down Northeastern Dallas Town. Maybe you could make an argument for knocking Red Lion down a peg, but I think if you put Red Land in there, you have to take out Central and your Catholic because, as Zach pointed out, impressive win. They've had a, such a good start to the yeah. season. The one loss, you know, to Carlisle, it's it's not a bad loss. You know, you still, you know, we're not dismissing right. a loss just because it was a good team, but you know it. They weren't losing to a bad team or anything. I mean, I think Carlisle is undefeated. I'm not sure if Dallas Town or Red Lion or Northeastern has played a team as good as Carlisle yet this year. So, no, I mean, you know, going through each of those teams, Dallas Town's best wins, Hempfield, Northeastern's mm-hmm. um, might be that suburban game, honestly. I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I don't think yeah, they've had, right. a good, they've had good wins in the sense that they've won by blowouts. Right. Other than that, there hasn't, Red been, Lion. there hasn't been a good win against a tough opponent yeah i mean really. all of the teams red lion beat are either one and two or oh and three um, but of course you know again blowing blowing them out and there's also i hate this when people say it in college football the eye test but i think we're we're all including a little bit of eye testing yeah. here because it's still early i mean you know we can we can get away from that eye test part of it maybe a little bit as we go on in the season you know this is this is just the first one there's still a lot of football to be played you know um, but this was always fun last year. You know, we had there were times we had Southwestern and Hanover both in there, and we were like, man, we wish we could just make this playoff <laughs> and make Southwestern and Hanover play each other. You know, it's it's fun to think about some of these matchups we will never get to see. It is interesting, and I so uh, final consensus would be so. Red uh, Northeastern is the number one team if we were ranking these from one to four. Northeastern would be number one, correct? I would say yeah. so. They're like that, like in the, for the college football analogy, the team that comes in, you know, preseason number one because of how big their expectations were, right. and they've been just killing teams so far. So there's not a reason to knock them down yet. So number two would be Dallas Town or Red Lion. I'd maybe go Dallas yeah. Town for now with a better win. Go Red Lion three, but you know they'd play each other. Yeah, I could flip in the next couple yeah. weeks. So that that puts Dallas Town at three, and then Red Land at yeah, four. Yeah, if we're gonna include if Red Land, I guess County, then, you know we'll yeah. put them at 
four out. You could maybe even make the case they should go up to two or three. But, you know, here's the fun thing. We are going to see Northeastern Red Lion and Dallas Town all play each other. We're going to see all three of those teams play Central York, too. So and those division three teams that we were kicking around a little bit, they're all going to play each other. So we actually do get to see a lot of these games, and that's exciting. We, we didn't talk about Dallas Town a lot during the show. They also have had a good start, three and zero, a couple, one or two impressive wins to start the year. Going into the divisional schedule, where do you see this team panning out? Because again, kind of like Division Three, Division One, at some point a shoe has to drop, and with three very good teams, four if you include Central York as well, a shoe is going to eventually have to drop from one of these teams, where another one will start to take the lead in that division. Yeah, I mean it's tough to predict, and a lot of it's going to depend too on who stays healthy. You know, a big injury can change a lot. Right. But I think right now. You know, I think there's a chance Northeastern reels off three straight wins this week, and then they're looking at a very good chance at going 10-0. and mm-hmm. But it's also, you know, would I be stunned if they lost one of those next three games? No, I wouldn't be shocked. I also would not be shocked if Central beat either Northeastern, Red Lion, or Dallas Town at some point, you know, beat one of those teams. I think Central, from what I've seen, seems to be, you know, as good, kind of as good as anybody. So I, I do think... With the exception of maybe Northeastern, I think mm-hmm. you're going to see all all four of these teams beat each other, which will be interesting. I mean, and Southwestern and Spring Grove, you know, I wouldn't completely count them out as right, maybe right. being able to score score a victory against Dallas Town or Central one week. You know, those those two teams are still in the mix as well. Well, we'll find out. Dallas Town and Spring Grove play each other in week four. Yeah, up at Spring Grove. Very few games in these next few weeks would really shock me. Right. For you know, Division Two, we just don't know. Division mm-hmm. Three and One, there's so many good teams both ways that I could, you know, you could see either team winning. So for this whole you know, ranking conversation, yeah, we'll have some effect, but uh, I don't, I don't know. It's it's a lot of you know good games that we've got coming up. All right, guys, we're just getting back down to the end of the show. What's the game you're looking forward to most this week? For me, it's the game I'm covering. You're Catholic <laughs> at the Lone Catholic. Okay. I mean, this is just that'll be a good one. I, there's a there's a bunch of D three, and I, I've been kind of waiting as much as I love you know having so many storylines in D three and saying, man, your County Tech could be really good. Fairfield could be really good. I'm excited to see the the other shoe kind of drop. And this is a a big game. I don't want to say whoever wins is like definitely the favorite because you right. still got Berm lurking out there. You still got a, a Littlestown team that could be having a really good year. But I think whoever wins this game is still kind of like the early favorite just because your Catholic has so much talent. They're, kind of, they're the favorite for me right now. And if DeLone beats them, they have to say, wow, they're really for real. So right. that, that's going to be a, a fun game. Uh, these two teams are definitely kind of rivals, and it'll be a, a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I'd agree with what you're saying. I think coming into the season, I thought Berm was a slight favorite over your Catholic to win and then had DeLone Catholic kind of third, just mm-hmm. just kind of eyeballing the rosters and everything. But, yeah, I mean, DeLone Catholic's off to a really good start, has looked really impressive in all the games. You know, I don't know that we really thought they would beat Trinity week one. Right. Uh, beating New Oxford the way they did is a very good win. I do think that whoever wins this game is kind of the favorite, so to speak. You know, maybe you keep remuting that conversation if they can beat up on Hanover this week. But, yeah, there's a lot of intrigue there. And I think the game I'm covering, which is Central at Northeastern, has a lot of intrigue too. And that's another example of the winner is kind of the favorite right now. You know, Northeastern, we're all talking about as the favorite. Mm-hmm. If they beat Central, now that's one step closer. Now you got two more tough games where you can practically clinch the division. Uh, if Central wins, all of a sudden, we got to start talking about Central as the favorite in the division. Right, like, yeah. Uh, seriously. So um, this week's fun, and uh, divisional play is going to be fun because we've talked about every division really in some way is very competitive. 
and and so we finally started to see some of these games, see our teams play each other. That's always fun. Right, right. Christian, which one are you looking forward to the most? Uh, it's interesting. I think that Central Northeastern game is going to be very telling for both sides. It's a it's an intriguing match. Two teams that. Uh, one team that's played a competitive schedule, the other one that may not have. So it'll be a real test for Northeastern. Um, and Central may be coming in a little more battle-tested than you would have imagined with their 2 and one schedule. William Penn hosting Redline is also a very intriguing schedule, or uh, intriguing game for the same reasons as Northeastern and Central York. Just a reminder, make sure you're subscribing to us on iTunes. You can just search Game Day with Game Time PA Radio, and we will come up. Make sure you rate and review the show. You can also find us on Stitcher and Google Play. Also, make sure you're following us on Twitter. You can find Zach at by Z, uh, Zach Miller. And you can find Matt Alabone at bad to the Alabone. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Arnold zero, uh, zero 01. We'll be back next week for more football talk. Maybe we'll branch out and talk some other sports as well that are going on as we get closer to um, the middle point of the fall season. You've been listening to Game Day with Game Time PA. Chris Charles, Matt Alabone, Zach Miller signing off. <laughs>